Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to Movie Madness 103 in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner. And the match it will be getting into this week is 2017's The Hitman's Bodyguard versus 2011's 30 Minutes or Less. Our first venture actually into the uh, crime comedy subgenre. So uh, first of, uh, I think, eight maybe? Anyway. Mm-hmm. Hitman's Bodyguard we'll start with, and I guess to preface this, uh, I'll say I don't think I've ever had less info to, on both films. Like, usually I think there wasn't much trivia for Sex Drive, but then for, like, Bruce Almighty, there was, like, stacks, for example. This is one where I'm really having to do some digging to kind of find anything on either of them. So we'll see how we go. Um Hitman's Bodyguard will start with I think I saw this in the cinema when it came out in 2017 I said yeah not expecting too much and I think that probably went in its favour because I don't think there was much great expectation for it going in but most people that have seen it seem to be it's enjoyable film I don't think it was uh, setting anyone on fire but I don't think anyone came out thinking that they'd wasted two hours of their life. No, it wasn't. Uh, Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Um, when it, they, they uploaded uh, you know, it was good. It was, uh, very, I, I actually really quite like it. It's not, it's easy to watch, it's easy to follow, there's no real issue with it, is there? It's, it's just oh. quite fun. It's quite a nice little interesting combination, Reynolds and Sam, Samuel. Yeah. You wouldn't what, necessarily what you, put them together. What do you think the critics feel about this? I, so I don't think it would be well that well received. I'll take you through them. So I'm taking this down just because I think it will annoy you as much as it annoyed me, actually. Um, some films simply exist to give their audience a good time. Hitman's Bodyguard gives its audience a good time. Is that not every film? <laughs> I don't know what... <laughs> No, I agree. I assume the idea is that it just has is not a complex premise, rather than anything else. It annoys me more every week that we're going into the office every day and these people are being paid to put a review out like that. Yeah, that's fair. That's the job I want. That's what I dream for. Yeah. Um, Reynolds and Jackson are better than this generic material. That is actually tr- that is actually true. <laughs> That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the film. They no. both agree. They both agreed to do it, and both agreed to do a sequel. Yeah, which I've not seen actually. I, me and TK were going to watch it at the cinema, and then never got around to it. Um, to a degree, the Hitman's Bodyguard delivers exactly what it promises. It's just that what it promises has been done a million times before and done better. Again, it's not strictly a lie, but at the same time. I don't think we were expecting it to reset the genre, do anything we haven't seen before. I think like part of the charm of the film 
is that it does play into every kind of cliche of this type. No, I no, I agree. It's how do you reinvent the wheel here, though, mate? Yeah, would be, exactly. <clears throat> do you know what I mean? Would be my question. Would be one of my two questions. <laughs> the, the, the first one is what? What would you? What do you expect from a film? I mean, once you read the title, once you see the title, <clears throat> excuse me, once you read the title and see those two, I probably could have worked out the plot. Of the, I probably could have worked out what yeah. the film was going to be like. And the other thing is, if it, I sometimes think the films like this, like the first review we read there, if it's not broke. No. Don't fix it? No. Uh, there's, no there's nothing wrong with... Like I, I say this... I probably, probably say this once every other week when we do a film that gets this description. If it's, oh, for what it is, it's for what it is, it's great. And I'm probably the biggest defender of that because I yeah, always yeah. say, like, as much as I love films and like do like watching complex films, probably six times out of ten when I'm watching a film, it's about ten o'clock at night. Exactly. That's and why I rewatchability is our top. Uh... Of course, so that's why it's our tiebreaker. But what I want at ten o'clock at night is I don't want to be watching M Night Shyamalan at that time. No, I, no. I want to be watching Ryan Reynolds rise crack and shoot someone. Um, on the whole, while it isn't an example of great filmmaking, The Hitman's Bodyguard does take you on a fun two-hour-long ride. Just don't expect it to bring anything new to the genre or surprise you in any way. Like all these people got together and uh, wrote these reviews. Do you know? I know we don't ever really know. I wonder. <clears throat> excuse me. I wonder if they're all from around the same time frame, or because it. So most yeah. of these are from when it was released. Um, usually, the older ones sometimes I'll take from like a re-release mm. of like a Blu-ray or something, and you get kind of a mixed take. But yeah, these are pretty much all from when it was first released. Because I saw, I genuinely, it seems as though someone has seen a review. I was like, yep, that, I get that, 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 I get that. And that's, that's now the take on the film. Well, the final one. So, with laughs, F-bombs galore, a plethora of good action sequences, and some nice surprises along the way, The Hitman's Bodyguard is simply a fun watch. That's yeah. Probably, uh, we'd have reviewed it. That is, that is exactly what I said. Does yeah. what it, it does what it says on the tin, but that's by in no means a bad thing. I think it's one where the people that would be disappointed with it was, for example, like if I left the cinema and said to someone, I watched this at cinema the other day, really good, actually, really caught my surprise, you should go and watch it. Then they have the expectation going in and then maybe you might be expecting something a bit different than kind of what, what every other kind of film of the genre does. I think it played into it the fact that as much as you expect a certain level of quality from Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson, you kind of just were just hoping to be entertained and nothing more than that. You weren't expecting a big twist, a big uh, like. I wonder if, know. sorry, mate, I was going to say, I wonder if the fact that it's those two really does like does this film a disservice for a lot of people? Because I, I think because I like Ryan Reynolds, a great actor. But if you look at the film again, like people are, oh, he's better than yeah. this. I mean, is he? No, like, I'm not. I'm not in terms of visibility, but I just mean like, look at the films he's done. This, this is actually just banging his wheelhouse. Yeah, if people are like Gary Oldman and Samuel L. Jackson deserve better than this, you would kind of say, 
much as they've signed up to it, I think they knew what they were signing up for. I can kind of see what you mean. Ryan Reynolds, this is pretty much... I think we said on a previous week, it may have been after we did uh, Deadpool, where we said, like, a Ryan Reynolds film is a thing now, much like 10, 15 years ago, we would have said about, like, an Adam Sandler film or that kind of thing. A Ryan Reynolds thing, you've got Free Guy come out recently, which has done really well, and people are seeing that off the strength of it being Ryan Reynolds more than it being anything else. So this is pretty much... I mean, I'll give you some trivia in a minute, but this film was pretty much made for him. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, if you would have told me, if you wouldn't have said without the trivia and you just told me that was your opinion, I assume the trivia was going to link to why it was made for him. But if you would have yeah. said, yeah. I, I, to me, it seems as though, if you would have said, to me, it seems so this was made for Ryan Reynolds. I'd be like, yeah, I think you're probably right. So basically, um, we always get the trivia about this kind of blacklist of unproduced screenplays. Um, this was... Uh, right at the top in 2011 uh, it was originally going to be a drama the script basically once the production team had kind of got him involved had a look and was like this would be much better than comedy they added two weeks of just like frantically rewriting it to fit his character they didn't have Samuel L. Jackson yet um, and then this is, this is the script that you get um, Samuel L. Jackson then effectively says he saw Ryan Reynolds' name attached to it, and that made him sign on the dotted line as well. He said, Ryan had been attached to the film, and when my name popped up, it made sense. It felt like a fun idea. I've enjoyed watching Ryan. I've known him on a personal level, and I like him, so I thought we'd have an interesting chemistry on screen. So you go from getting a drama, which... Then oh, just probably... sorry to... Yeah. Sorry, mate, quickly to interject. If you're Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson said, yeah. I saw his name, and I was in. I, whatever interview what I, I would want that interview to be in a magazine because i'm getting that bit that's getting framed in my house not even joking that's like that's a that's above the mantelpiece type stuff that lives in my house forever forget photos of the kids and whatnot that's that's there and this is a week after samuel L. jackson saying like the raid 2 is his favorite film like it, he may be one of the few people who are just as cool as we expect them to be like he does just seem like he is everything you'd hope he's supposed to be a great guy yeah like as, as well which again i always want that to be true of people i like yeah, but i agreed. really want it to be true of him yeah um if this was a drama and you maybe had just a couple of funny uh, bits put in then probably all the critique about it doesn't do anything against the grain it's everything the same that would probably be a bit more fair then. You'd maybe add some credence to it. But the fact that they do have it as a comedy, you're essentially having the set pieces just to get be- get between and kind of keep you interested between the jokes. So all works out in the end. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, how many comedies have we watched, mate, for the pod? And that's, yeah. that, that's what it is. Like, I actually think, I think the dialogue in this is, pretty, is, is quite good. There's yeah. certain bits that you can see they probably kept from the drama show. The whole, oh, he's tried to shoot me. He's tried to kill me in this place and that place and the other. That That is, two assassins come together, that's that that's just a trope in any film like that. Do you know what I mean? If it was to be yeah. an action or a drama, that that would still be there. Um, so perhaps the biggest challenge for actress Salma Hayek was her character Sonya's epic bar fight, 
which convinces Kincaid that she's the one for him. She said, I was still sore for a week after we shot that, but I'm so happy that at 49, I'm still kicking ass and able to do all my own stunts. Do you want to talk about Simon Hyatt? Um, yeah, I mean, she has a small role in this, makes a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. The, the main thing I thought while watching it was I wouldn't have expected at the time that her character is supposedly so popular that it forces a sequel. Like, um... the director says, effectively, the popularity of her character is why you have the sequel, because then they bring her back in an even more, like, prominent position. It makes sense in that way. I, I, I thought it was just kind of I, standard I character. It's just cool that it's Salma Hyatt doing it. Uh, I, I get it. I do. I think she's. I I actually think she's meant in, in most everything. But I I do get it. I think she is very funny in this. And again, I think a lot of that is because it's Salma Hayek. Yeah. But yeah, I I think maybe they say force a sequel, but maybe they 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 run whatever they run on it, run the run the test, put it and sort of put the te- put it to the test, and thought, well, will Salma Hayek bring enough people if she's the focus? So I didn't take this down just because it's a bit boring and it's all of the stats, but when you look at the posters of this and things like that, it set records for being like the number one at the box office, this and that. It was number one in the box office, but it was number one in the box office in uh, the lowest uh, grossing weekend since 1991. So it made money, but mainly due to a lack of competition around it. So they get to put that on the poster, but in terms of kind of delivery, it delivered over the budget. I was just, I was just going to say that to you though. If I if I'm booking the movie or if I'm making the film, that's the dream. Obviously, sorry, the dream is to break box office records about people are like, oh shit, this is the best film ever. But outside of that, number one at the box office. I don't care what the figure is. The, the next film could take a tenner. One person in the world could have gone to go and watch it. I'm still. I'm number one at the box office. No, agreed. But I mean, in terms of uh, it kind of blowing things out of the water and the fact that you get a sequel out of it, the fact that it performs well enough to do it. I mean, they 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 were hoping to make... They will knock a sequel out of almost anything that makes a profit these days, mate. I mean, they they were hoping to make between 18 and 20 million in the opening weekend. It made 21.4, I think. And obviously, it's great to achieve ab- above it. But usually when we do these and we say that, it would be they were hoping for 20 and it returned like 80 on the opening weekend and they couldn't believe it and this and that. So, I mean, it basically just did how it was supposed to is, is the point I'm making. I, I, get, I, get, I get what you're saying. But the fact that it ends at top of the box office is a bonus and is a great one. But if I plan and I'm set that I want it to do 20 and it does 20, this is going to sound really stupid and I can't explain it without it sounding stupid. But if I say this is going to, we'll, we'll do 20 on this and it does just over 20. There's part of me that's as happy if it does 80. I get what you're saying. Um, because I'm, I've put the work in. I know what I'm about. I'm that guy. Basically. If, if I'm telling you this, look, this will do 20 and it does 21. I told you look, I was like, bang. I tell, I inside. I'm very happy about that. Obviously, if it does 80, I'm happier, which I say almost as happy. But if I, if I, everything that puts in, like project, projecting a film, 
sorry, projecting film things, there's like the fucking stuff that goes into it today is like daft. Like it's like the maths that goes into it is stupid. And if I'm coming up accurate there, I'm yeah. very much okay. I think the numbers look worse because we've just done the adventure genre where everything is like we made close to a billion and we still wanted more. But then you come to this and they're doing twenty million in a weekend and Do you want a budget was on this? Uh, so I think. Sorry, mate. I I could have a look, but I think it was around. I'm gonna say it was around twenty million. Maybe they were just looking to cover, cover the spread in the open. I weekend. think in the end it does it does make about eighty. So it, it it does make a decent amount. I'm just that was just the opening weekend, which is usually what they judge it on, isn't it? Um, it hung around enough because it it topped. It was top of the box office on their like fall weekend, which they always judge things on. And then it was the lowest like ever top uh, figure at that time. So the budget was the budget was thirty million. Um, worldwide gross one hundred and seventy six. Opening weekend twenty one. So they made about double what I said. But say 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 what you will, but like that's a fucking success. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was a, it's, it was a success. Um, like we're we're sort of doing it now, not in a bad way, but we're doing it about oh, this sort of middle of the road. This, <laughs> yeah, this, oh, oh, this is what this is what this is what the reviews is, and oh, Joe, it's this. Mate, fucking for the studio, for the studio, and for the director, and for everyone involved, that's a success. And also, by the way, if you if you're doing almost six x worldwide, yeah. you're definitely making a sequel. Do you run the risk of? Doing a bad boys too, but not being as like you run the risk of not to say what we'll throw sixty at this one, and it then just took. Well, you see it all the time, don't you? Big bigger budget sequels, and they just don't perform as well. So they, you always run that risk. But if you keep to the sort of same formula and just sort of tweak enough, it will still will make money, which isn't. Which actually is essentially the opposite of everything I advocate for in films. But middle of the road well, films was, like this, you sort of see it. I was gonna say um, to play devil's advocate. Is this not as close to kind of a paint by numbers film as you criticised Marvel for, just in a different way? My criticism of Marvel was very rarely actually levied at them, if you remember. Yeah. I, My I mean, biggest uh, criticism of Marvel was, and it's, it's not even a criticism, just it. is that it changed the landscape. And films like this, for example, you might have lost. If this yeah. isn't, if this isn't these two, well, these four, shall we say? Because Gary Oldman's a legend, Sam Hyatt legend. If this isn't these four. And this is something someone's trying to run for 18 million, for example, 22 million. Does this does this happen? Maybe not. I'm not saying this is a film that must be preserved for all time, but it is fun. It is easy and it is pretty it's quite good. So you might have lost something like this without the name attached to it, without Ryan Reynolds attached to it. Like you say, we've just heard there that he brought Samuel on. But if it's not him, does this get lost somewhere? Yeah, um, the sequel. The budget was seventy million. Um, they made seventy point three, so that didn't deliver. No, exactly. But <laughs> it ain't, ain't a loss. No, ain't a loss. You can hold your, you can hold I your head up. If that accounts for the marketing and stuff like that in there, so I think so. I think it was. It certainly. I don't think I'd have been happy with it if you're making that much for the uh, original. Um, mm, yeah, you say you say that, but I mean, more sequels flop than than are a success. Yeah, but sometimes you're calling it a flop, even when it makes like 20 million more, let alone 300,000 more than your budget. Um, 
a bit of trivia here, and this is one of those where I'll let you decide whether you believe it. So Gary Oldman learned to speak fluent Russian for his role as the villain Dukovich. Despite no prior knowledge of Russian, Oldman was required to speak it expertly for the film. He said, I could have just learnt my lines, but instead I hired a Russian coach and just went straight into it. Wildly unnecessary. You... He actually doesn't speak that much Russian in the film. <laughs> Are you buying it? Um, given what I know about Gary Oldman, I can see it. I'm not saying I'm hook, line and sink on it, but I can see it. This is a man who has committed himself to so many, to each of his roles that much, that when he had to come back to playing someone from London, he needed a voice coach to teach him how to do his own <laughs> natural accent, as he did not have the ability anymore. Um, so, but am um, I sold so, on that? I don't think, I don't know. No, he might have time. Originally, just one scene was going to be shot in Amsterdam, but when the director visited the location and saw its surroundings, he decided to move almost all of the London scenes to the old inner city of Amsterdam, so overseas instead. I bet he did. Yeah, but he had a much better time filming over there. Um, this when... sort of seems like the film where they would 100% just do a bit in the red light district. <laughs> yeah. No? He said, well, he, he claims, like, from the age of about 13, he'd always wanted to direct, like, a car chase scene around the canals in Amsterdam. And He's a fucking weird just, kid. That's what I mean. It's one of those where it's like, maybe... It's just that we weren't thinking like that at 13 years old. And I'm 26. I wouldn't have thought we you could have asked me to direct. You, you could have asked me to direct this film last year, and I just, that thought process wouldn't have crossed my yeah. mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, if I think of Amsterdam, I think of weed and prostitutes. Canals are somewhere very far down my list. I've never even been to fucking Amsterdam, but that's still how that works. Yeah. Um. So when. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is being interrogated. He gets punched in the ear and quotes the famous line from Fight Club right in the fucking ear. It's bad that when I saw this bit of trivia and when I saw it in the film, I think of Drillbit Taylor saying it in the film. Why is that bad? More than I think of Fight Club. Why is that bad? Drillbit Taylor, great film. It is, but it's probably not held to the same <laughs> the same, the same standard. Uh, no, you're probably right. Fight Club. You are probably right. And he hit me right in the ear. I do like Drillbit Taylor, though, I have to say. Yeah, agreed. I've seen it uh, quite a few times. Sorry, the cinema, in fact. But uh, I didn't see it at the cinema. That's literally all of the trivia for him, Hitman's Bodyguard. So there, there wasn't too much of it. Um, I've asked your kind of uh, opinion of the film. Have you seen the sequel? No, no, no. Uh, um, I think I will. Yeah, I keep meaning to watch it. Um, but it's one where I didn't rush to watch the first one, and I like I like the film. It's not, but it's not like I don't know. See, I do like the film, but it's it's very. It is exactly what it is. It's sound to put on. I probably watched, I've watched this more than once, like pre the pod, pre rewatching yeah. it for the pod. It's probably about the fourth time I've seen it, but two of them have been when I've been hungover, and it's just yeah. that easy to watch. That's not a, an insult, by the way. That's actually just no, no. Like I just that that sort of a way of judging the. It's a good way of judging the rewatchability of the film. Maybe we can add it in as a category. What would you rather watch over? Might be one for crime comedy, certainly. Hmm. Um. 
to have a quick look at the categories. So rewatchability, you, you've kind of covered that there. Do you have a favourite scene? Uh, favourite scene? When Samuel, well, it's actually, it's probably that those two fighting's brilliant when they link up in, in in Coventry. Yeah. Um, just is a very good fight scene. The big shootout, the 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 courtroom where he tries to tries where Dukovic tries to escape. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the Salma Hayek bar scene is also very fun. As yeah, and yeah. the the little callback at the end is they're they're having their little slow dance whilst the world's burning around them. What about you? I'd, probably the Salma Hayek scene. To be fair, I'd forgotten before rewatching it that um, Ryan Reynolds girl and this is uh, Electra from the Daredevil series. Yeah. Okay. That's why I know her face as obviously uh, not the same for you. <laughs> I've seen the, I've seen some of that. I've I seen, like, seen it all, that's why. Uh... No, I did start watching it and then I just didn't get I didn't didn't ever finish it. It's all about she all comes about in season two, I'm gonna say Shun the <laughs> Defenders as well. I've never seen that. But I've never seen that. Being in love for the duration of watching it, so she's not the face. She's not the one in that film, by the way. Uh, in that film, that TV series, she's not the one that should be demanding your attention. You friend Sue, I forgot her name. The lawyer. Karen. Uh, Karen. What do you mean, not for you? Well, I mean, they're going to be turning to one of them while I can hear people judging us, but. If we were going to debate, then uh, I would. Well, it's all uh, hypothetical. Let's, let's. It's all hypothetical. Let's be I honest. Think, uh, I think Electra is better looking. You and I could be the one of the two of the last ten men on the planet confronted with these these <laughs> ladies, and we're probably still. Fin- we ain't finishing I on that top ten list. Let's be honest with it. I don't mean that nicely to you, because I f- fully include myself in that as well. No, oh, uh, I'm with you. Um, but yeah. I- take a lecture in that uh, situation um if we have a look at the other film and then we'll loop back around while we do the uh, judging so 30 minutes or less came out in 2011 um i remember watching this at the time and it been i'm gonna say study leave but it would have been after that would have been like a levels time so watched it around that age anyway i remember watching it when it came out um Two fledgling criminals kidnap a pizza delivery guy, strap a bomb to his chest, and inform him that he has mere hours to rob a bank or else. Before we go any further, because I don't know if you're going to reference this in the pod, have you ever seen the video of the guy that this actually happens to? I've seen the documentary. Maybe I've seen the documentary. Evil Genius. Maybe I have seen that. Is it on Netflix? Um, Yeah, it is. Yeah, unreal. Maybe I've seen it. Basically, I don't, because I don't think they show it fully in the documentary, but in the documentary, it's no, not good. No, they do. That's what they got a lot of flack for. Because he blows up, he dies, he blows up, doesn't he? And it's yeah, really, yeah. It's, if I remember rightly, he's in a red shirt. He's in a red t-shirt. He's got, he's got the bomb around his neck. Mm, he's in a red t-shirt and it's re- he's like, look, help me. I don't want this yeah. to, I don't want this to happen. I don't want to go sort of thing. Oh, uh, shit, I was talking about this so just a minute, like about an hour, uh, just as I was yeah, finishing work. Yeah, it trivia. It is... It's actually fucking harrowing because that guy is just like, I don't want to go. Please, like, help. Can some please help me? And obviously the police aren't ain't, ain't really saying much because the geezer's got a lot no, of bombs strapped to him. 
the writers claim they only had vague knowledge of this case before writing it. Um, the sister of uh, the deceased, um, Brian Douglas Wells, they said uh, they didn't think it's funny to laugh at the innocent who are victimised by criminals and care nothing for human life and encourage nobody to see the film. I mean, if you, I'm really sorry, but if you take that away, then this whole genre, our genre is fucked. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, them claiming they don't know anything of it is mad because it is literally a pizza delivery guy who's yeah. kidnapped, has a bomb put on him and told to rob a bank. Like, it literally is the exact same story. Mm-hmm. I knew about this film. Like, I'd seen this film a lot before I knew it was a true story. Oh, yeah. This was, yeah. I, I this was back when I was like, this is No, yeah, exactly. Exact same. So it's, I don't know. It's, 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 it's possible. Yeah. I mean, just the idea, I mean, everything about it, but look, it's, I, I didn't associate it with the documentary in, until seeing the trivia of it linking it. So I guess, um, <laughs> dare I ask what you think the critics reviews will say about this one? No chance. They like it. <laughs> like I'll fucking no, no shot. This takes us back to some of our uh, glory days, actually, of the first season. Um, fun and funny, but also manages to tell a good, surprisingly tense story with solid characters. That's about as good as it gets. Um, 30 minutes or less has enough of both action and comedy to appeal to multiple demographics. And as far as crude comedies go, it's a fun watch. Like a sort of laughter thong, it covers very little and doesn't save the blushes of anyone involved. Fuck off. The film contains a remarkable level of violence, yet never establishes a tone that would make it seem funny or truly shocking. The jokes flounder in an air full of half-hearted spite. It's spiteful. It's actually just not even true. A, what's it? What? <laughs> it took me back to that first season where things would be described as nasty. Yeah, it like it's not like for me. It's not even remotely true either. No. I like I like in this film. I like there is a part of it that I do really like, and it is the case of, um, <clears throat> excuse me. There's a couple of things with the virus I really like. When they, when he comes out and he's like, look, look at these kicks. Look, what's these kicks, bro? <laughs> shooting 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 Michael Payne with a pen yeah. makes me laugh every time. <laughs> I fucking I'm not gonna do the accent, sorry, I'll stop that right there. Uh, yeah, I just realised where I was going. I don't don't we don't need this. But when he's like, you shot me with a pen. Michael Pena sells that incredibly well. Yeah, makes me chuckle. Yeah, it is pretty good. Thirty minutes or less is so shallow, self-satisfied, and downright repulsive that I hesitate to discuss it at all. It has none of the qualities of director Fleischer's debut feature Zombieland. And it's a long way from Eisenberg's best. And finally, what can I say about a movie that made me want to take a shower and cleanse myself afterwards? 30 minutes or less is so shallow, self-satisfied and downright repulsive that I hesitate to discuss it at all. I realize they just read the same book twice. No, once. Oh, yeah, I did read it twice. It was down twice on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Oh, it's, yeah. a shite, it's a shite review. It doesn't deserve to be written once, let alone twice. <laughs> and the one had the shower part at the start. And mm. One didn't. Double no, Maybe they got paid for both reviews as well. If, uh... Uh, I hesitate I hesitate to write about it. It's what you're getting paid for. So fuck it. I <laughs> semi-date it. 
<laughs> Imagine though, like in a world where your bad day at work is you have to watch this film and write about it afterwards. Like, oh, no. that's your that's your bad day at work. I, I spent an hour today getting railed for 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 multiple things, and it wasn't even it was not even like doesn't even break my top ten in the last six weeks of bad days at work. <sighs> no, you, you didn't have uh, Danny McBride at all no. as part of that day. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Some people, they don't know how good they've got it. No, I know. Exactly. I actually read a really... I meant to send it to you because I thought you were probably one of the like, two people I know who would really appreciate it. But I read an article the other day written by a critic about why it's so hard to be a critic. It was quite... It was quite self-pitying, I won't lie. But yeah. it, it was quite... It was interesting to see... Because, I mean, the, the, the woman who did it, fair play to her, went into quite a lot of detail about, like, a review of this size means I need to do X, Y, and Z, and then I have to work out. But it, this was about book reviews, um, yeah. to, to be honest. And then she was talking about, oh, I've done, and, like, I, I've, she was, like, her field of, her field of, of like, speciality, if you will, is um, about history. Okay. So I say, if you will, her, her specialist field is actually how that should be phrased, is um, a specific part of history. And she was like, I've written a book on it. I've already been published. I've been asked, like, she's talking sort of in, in the first person, third person, in in front. And basically the point she made, she's like, been asked to review this, to review a book written by another author who's up and coming. And she was like, I'm quite well established in the field. I've read the book. I don't think it's great. She's like, I don't know what to do. She's like, it's hard to, hard to make a decision on, do I give an honest review and look as though I'm, the older, bitter writer that this this young up and um, up starts getting all the hype, or do I mislead people and say it's a, it's a good book? It's a good book when there's some inaccuracies. It's not particularly well written. Yeah. And it was and like she was talking about like the money and she was like, oh, someone wants me to read this and this is what I'll get paid for it and the time that it needs to take and then the effort I've got to put in. And you're like, well, do, do you don't you? And yeah, it was it was really really interesting. You contact her and say you think that's bad, love. Try doing podcasts on Back to the Future. And Star Wars and uh, Lord of the Rings. No, I, did, weeks. I, I did not. I also <laughs> would have put. I, I I also would have stated that this is purely a labour of love. Um, <laughs> it is. It is a weird one though because we complained before that probably the the critics talking about this should be someone that isn't going to think this is shallow, self-centred, repulsive. Mm. Like there should be. They should be calling us up and saying, watch this film. Barbara isn't going to enjoy this, so uh, we need a different take on it. Yeah, I, I, I agree and don't agree. But like, we've always said this. You are right. Like some of the like some of the critics are so not out of their depth. Are so out of their sort of wheelhouse or out of their comfort zone when reviewing it. It, it becomes they're reviewing it for people like them whereas what you want and this is why you do screen tests and uh, yeah. like Joe target target audience and shit the people you're trying to sell a film to that's who you want to review it have we hit not what does person x think but these 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 guys these girls they're in our target this is this is what we're looking for has it hit has it hit the points there and I, I don't think I think again it's because it's a it's a competitive market and it, it, like once you establish people and you have an opinion that people can see like a guy who sold a film website for three million or whatever it was like once he had a voice and people respected him 
work became work became easier because instead of saying oh submitting stuff people were coming to him like yep, can you just can you watch this can you do this can you do this and then you're in demand and getting paid for it it's but but to, a lot of the time now and we like we say it week we see it week after week don't we a lot of the time now to become one of those points to become one of the the tastemakers if you will you've got to, you've got to be either quite you you either got to be quite sensationalist or just something you should be fucking downright rude um, yeah. J, J, do you remember JB said it when we spoke to him all, all those yeah. all, all, all way back when? And he was like, "I like reviews now." He's just like, "Some of them are just so fucking negative." Like, what, 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 what's even the point of trying to do anything? And well, you just, I, and I get it. Well, sex, sex Drive that was distributed by Summit, which are part of um, Lionsgate, mm. when they did the test screenings of that, it was the highest test scores they'd ever had for yeah. a film. And then you put it out to the critics, and obviously they don't see it the same way as yeah. the group of horny fifteen-year-olds that they packed that into a cinema to see this for the first time. Like, yeah, that they're making a film called Fucking Sex Drive. Like, exactly. This, this, yeah, and and it's strange because, like, I don't know. Yeah, I think it. I don't know. I don't know how. There's so much out there now so many people can voice an opinion that do you do you think a critics like 30 years ago like the ebook report and stuff that was it do you know like you were waiting for the paper to come out to see what three people thought of your film like now it's so fast and it's fucking so many people can give an opinion on your film i think there's only a certain a certain percentage of people look for, we we'll just call it a professional, a paid opinion, so you say, and actually yeah. let that. It, it, it's, I usually, IMDb, I trust more than a critic. Yeah, like uh, and the score, and even then, I try to avoid actually seeing the IMDb score before I watch a film at the cinema because I worry that it'll subliminally put me off, even if I tell myself I, I, I don't acknowledge it. No, I, no, I get that. If you see something's bad enough times, you'll start to believe it. It's just, well, it's just that probably it's literally just how propaganda works, um, and it works in the, it works in the reverse. If you see something that's good and often enough, you'll start to believe it. Yeah. But it is, it's like I say, it's it, it, I don't know. I, like we do, we talk about it. we we do it every week because it's it's fun. It like to to read to read the reviews and and so on of, of like the films we do. But I, in the this day and age, I think it's less and less important. Well, there isn't much trivia for this, so. That's actually uh, gone quite well up in that conversation there. But the the restaurant where Travis and Dwayne eat tacos is actually a real restaurant in uh, Grand, Rapid, Grand Rapids called uh, Taco Boy. And it is uh, still open today. So if you want to go and recreate their conversation, you can do that. Um, I made some tacos last night. They were fucking amazing. Was this after considering 30 minutes or less or you just fancied some? No, 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 no. Uh, I was <clears throat> I was cooking steak for my tea anyway, and I was going to do a steak sandwich, and then I didn't really feel like, ah, no, got some wraps. I, I, I really like tortillas. Um, yeah. What I had after I had finished cooking the steak, it was almost like a brazen liquid. Have you ever had, like, Beeras tacos? Sorry to anyone from that region of the world that I've probably just butchered the pronunciation for. But it was just, oh, mate, they're so good. You take a tortilla in the liquid, let it cook in that, Yes, yeah, yeah. I've seen all the videos of people mm. doing this. Yeah. So I did that last night. 
Incidentally, oh, I mainly did it because I had so much of this braised liquid where I took, cooked the steak in butter and probably gone a bit overboard with it. But whew, the only thing I've learned, because I will definitely make it again, uh, is strangely the opposite of what led me to make it is I actually need more butter, more oil, or <laughs> whatever it might be. Because the first two, first two or three of the tacos were like, uh, of the tortilla, sorry, were like fully submerged. And then as they came out, just sort of twisted them and put them up against something so that as they cooled down they took the shape yeah. of like a taco yeah. um but by the time i was coming around to do the sort of the next couple there was less of the liquid so they were more just like actually yeah. just toasted still great but just didn't soak up all the all, all the flavor yeah. of the first year um we've done the comparisons with evil genius so there is an alternate ending to this film uh, whether you've seen it or not so in the alternate ending nick chet and kate drive off with the money, discussing what they'll do with their newly gained riches. Meanwhile, Dwayne survives the explosion. Annoyed with the plan's failure, he goes to see if Chango has successfully killed his dad. Dwayne finds his dad on the floor, suffering from his gunshot wound, and tells him about his tanning salon slash brothel idea. His dad is very excited and tells his son how proud he is of him. The final scene is at the Four Seasons in Atlanta, where Kate is managing the special events programme, she joins Nick and Chet, who are chilling out by the pool, enjoying their new lives. The late Chango has been blamed for the bank robbery. Yeah, I quite like that. I think Although, I preferred that. Yeah, I like that. I do like the cutscene at the end where they're all outside the tanning salon. Now. <laughs> um, I, did, I quite did like the idea of him telling his dad, who is dying, about <laughs> this idea. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to open but up I think a this is online. I think you can see this uh, ending online. So, mm. yeah, I, I actually quite like that. I'll be honest. Yeah, it's. What, what do you think about the the short runtime of this? Because an hour and twenty two minutes, even for a comedy, is short. Yeah, but I I don't mind that. It's it's quite quick paced. It yeah. moves. It moves well. I do, I don't know. I don't know. Is there many more, much more I'd want? Maybe a bit more Danny McBride. It genuinely is the only thing I'm feeling it. If you told me I've got to hit 90 minutes, I'm just giving you another eight minutes of Danny McBride. A little bit of Nick Swarston, but mainly just Danny McBride. Well, this is, I don't know, we may have even included this again on uh, last week's podcast, but I remember when uh, TK was around uh, before we did Watch the Joshua Fight, I think, um, said about the films that's on this week, and he said he'd not seen 30 minutes or less. And I literally, I read him, that review about needing to shower afterwards and he said, mm. who's in it I told him uh danny mcbride aziz ansari uh jesse eisenberg nick swadson he's like yeah, this sounds like exactly the type of film that i'm definitely going to enjoy and yeah. that critics review has probably convinced me more than i would have been anyway so you, you see that on paper and you, you know what you're in for yeah exactly it's not yeah you are right <clears throat> it's funny actually I, if I would have died I think that critics were... this this is before Aziz Ansari got even bigger as well isn't it because he got particularly mm. big probably around 2015-16 he does that Masters of None show now doesn't he yeah he had a little yeah he had, he had a little... rough patch back there yeah he got bigger Netflix like he, he started doing is it Parks and Recreation I'm not sure but I was going to ask you because I know you like stand-up comedy have you watched any of his yeah i've seen all the ones that are on netflix do you like them i like some of them because i don't really like stand-up 
comedy usually I don't usually find them funny but I really liked all of his specials that I've seen uh, the most recent one I'm not a great fan of because he changes the way he shoots it and it's uh, but the, the old ones are, are good I do like how him I actually like the how, how new is new I may not see that I may just be referring to older ones no it's, it's a good couple of years old now oh, okay um, I even liked the first two series of Master of None. I've not seen them, but I do He's, like him, so I probably will like it. He doesn't particularly feature in the third series, uh, from what I've read, and I've yet to watch it. Yeah, I like him. He's funny. I He's do. got one of those voices that he... It's like he was just made for this kind of role. <laughs> um, His voice should piss me off far more than it does. Uh, far, yeah, it should annoy me far more than it does. Like how you felt with Donnie Berger. Mm, great guy. Even as a fictional character, one that you initially hated by Hanover, and it, it charmed you. Yeah. So, with this, are you shocked? I don't know if you know this. This is the first role Jesse Eisenberg does after. Hmm. Just a random thought. Statutory rape. We could have included. We could have included. That's my boy in the crime comedy drama uh, genre. <laughs> I, I was just thinking that we could have included it for a number of re- a number of reasons actually, but mm. um, that that seems like one of them where do you think he maybe just wanted to get it out of the way? And I, I read that I'll check I'll double check that it is true. Well, it was, was like, I was just going to say, isn't this the same? Like you said, there, this is the same guy that directed Zombieland. Maybe he just gave yeah, him the chance. Yeah. He was like, yeah, why not? Because I, I was thinking, I remember thinking uh, about Chris Minutes Plus and thinking. That first role he did after Superbad must have just been horrific because supposedly he wanted to try something a bit different, but all anyone wanted to do was cast him in a McLovin role. Eventually, he just does take it. Just kick I don't know if maybe he it? just wanted to get it out of the way. He did that, he did role models. Ah, uh, role models is 08, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. Forgot about that. Good film. Um, I don't know. Like, it might just be a chance to work with someone you know. I can't imagine this was anywhere near as taxing as the social as the social network. Okay, so we did that Rio animated film. So the first actually kind of acting mm. on screen that he does after th- after social network. I mean, he wins an Oscar for social network. Yeah, um, yeah, but again, like, like and I say, then goes this into do this. Rio, just seems which... a bit like a bit off. So it's a chance to work with someone, maybe committed to it before the social network and didn't know how big it was going to be. Was already in. Yeah, it just seems a strange one. Usually, like you was saying, sometimes you get your big break and then you kind of don't look back. You're a bit more picky. He's yeah. not in. I mean, he's not in an awful lot, is he? Like in general. No, no. That's why I mean, he, you'd think he would have made more of the social network, is what I mean, because he does. Now you see me. That's probably us. That was very successful. Um, Lex Luthor in Justice League, which and Batman vs Superman, which he got a lot of stick for. Mm, I'd never seen either of those two films. Uh, American Ultra, which wasn't great. I don't know what that is. It's kind of like a half superhero film, but yeah. not really. Okay. It was him and um, Kristen Stewart. Um, it's a film what? called The Art of Self Defense, which is meant to be really good, but it's just it looks. Like not a lot happens in it. Basically, it's it's a comedy, and he's a sensei in it, so probably would be quite funny. Alessandro Nivola in there um, pops up everywhere. But yeah, 
at one hour 22, you'd put this pretty high up on the rewatchability scale, wouldn't you? Uh, yes, I've also happened to have seen this film a lot of times. Yeah. Do, do you remember there being much hype for it? Like, no. I just I remember... I discovered I it by accident. It, I think of that little uh, late night comedy section or 90 minutes uh, and under section on Netflix they used to have. And it would always be like the first one up on there. Back in the day, and this is actually back in the day, when I was not adverse to streaming a film or two, um, this was one of the ones that I downloaded. Download, so I will give this a go. Read it, read about it. I genuinely just sort of discovered it by accident. Yeah. Watched it, loved it. I was a lot younger then. When this was probably about, this was probably about 20, no, maybe it was about 2013. 2014, maybe. Yeah, I was probably about 18, 19. I was a bit re-worried. I was re-worried. I was a bit worried re-watching it when I stuck it on, thinking, I hope this I hope this is still as funny as I hope to be, but it's that stupid that Danny McBride, I think, you don't really grow out of his comedy, do you? It's it's still just as immature, it's still just as funny. I I don't yeah, but that being said, I'm not sure I wanna grow out of that. I no, no, I, I just mean, do you know what like, I mean? Just role models was a rough rewatch, I remember. Yeah, there have been a couple. Um, Bruce that... Almighty, the worst. Fuck me. In terms of expectation to reality. Yeah, I, I think the thing that sold, the thing that killed Bruce Almighty so badly in that one, and maybe role models actually, was the time lapse between watching them. Yeah, but I haven't like... seen this since 2011. Oh, really? No, I think I watched it around Maybe. the time. And... Is this when it came out, 2011? I thought it was 2013. Yeah, 2011, yeah. So right, we in which case, in... it was definitely earlier than what I just said, 2014, because that makes more sense in my head now. I think I was about 15, like, genuinely. No, I must have been older than that. You'd have been um, either last year <laughs> of... Uh, I think I was still at school. 12. Yeah, because I... I would have been year 13 or end of year 12. I definitely remember being at school because I know what this is the weirdest thing I'm ever, one of the weirdest things I'll say if I picture watching this film for this for the first time I know exactly what because my house has changed with the number of occupants in it that many times over the years I've moved bedroom in the place about 16 times so I actually even know which one of the bedrooms I was sleeping in it's basically sound like yeah you well you you're the year below me so I was still mm. in school I was either end of year 12 year or year 13 so you'd have been year 12 or the end of year 11 yeah that makes a lot more sense even just to start when 3D glasses, the whole mockery of the thing of like touching the screen, the dad walking in, and it's very for the time, isn't it? <laughs> With yeah. just homophobic jokes the whole way through him uh, saying he's getting ahead from Jason Voorhees. <laughs> just, it's just so stupid, but at the same time. Like, it's just about raw dog in him and all this Out by the pool and him speaking to the stripper and... Uh, I think my favourite scene is him explaining his tanning salon brothel idea and the confusion with him and uh, Nick Swardson with what the code words for the each tan, the tanny, the tanny, the tanny glover. <laughs> when they think Nick Swardson thinks uh, he's going to be expected to go out there and. Uh, Service people, shall we say? <laughs> yeah, just unreal. Um, it's one of them where 
even if you don't think it's the funniest film in the world, the fact that it is so short, I don't think you feel cheated. I don't think when there is a film like Knocked Up, and you know my thoughts on it, and I know your thoughts on it, or say something like Bridesmaids, when you have a comedy of that runtime, you do expect to be laughing throughout because you're dedicating so much time to it. When it's this, there's not half as much pressure on there for you to be... I think long comedies, and I think we might have said this during the Knocked Up thing, probably not. I was probably being more disrespectful just despite you, to be honest. The Bridesmaids one, we, we, I remember we were saying... But long comedies... So long. Long comedies, I think, set themselves up to fail. I really do, because how many comedies... Jet, like, really, like, genuinely, really think about all the ones we've done. There's obviously a narrative and an art, but a really story driven story, story driven. Yeah. Like you said earlier, they're, they're set a lot of it's just setting up punchlines, be it elaborate, bit and setting up set pieces, which is cool because that's everything you want. But to do try and do that within two hours, I think a lot of things sometimes it can just be a bit draining and it gets lost when the bits when it's uh, it's slow. Like slow points in the film, that's where it they sort of that's why they kill like kill themselves. Forty yeah. year old virgin feels so long to me. One I never thought I'd say, but it is actually genuinely did when we had to rewatch it for the pod that felt like it went on forever was Anchorman. Yeah, and that that is even long, but uh, you don't have the same patience for that uh, credit scene of Jonah Hill dancing in Forty Year Old Virgin after you've been watching it for that long. Stick it into this, I'll enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, I, f- I fucked that off, to be honest. <laughs> I've seen that too many times, so I don't need it. What What is um, your favourite scene in this film? Probably the kidnap scene. When waking up with... <laughs> and then the whole... Gorilla mask. And... This is what we want you to do. That's a, this is it on a watermelon and so on and so forth. <laughs> um, I do, I do, I do enjoy that. And you enjoy the pen, the, the gun pen. I, I do. <laughs> I actually just like every scene Michael Payne is in in this. Actually, it, it seems like it works just so well with the stage of each of their careers. Either they're not big enough, so they're happy to do a film like this and make these jokes and just have fun with it, or They've had their big break and they probably feel like we can do this now. Like, I guess Jesse Eisenberg, these are films probably that I know what I said earlier. He probably just enjoys making these and he's got he social network out of the way. Make what you want. He can yeah. just have a ball doing this. Michael Pena, same thing. He's probably the same, not, not huge yet. He's on no. sorry, he's not blown up yet. It just works just right for everyone. Yeah, fair. It's actually put a big role for, I would say, is it Swarsden or Swardson? I thought it was Swardson. I always say it wrong. Um, this is quite a big role for him. He doesn't usually get this much. No, he's fucking great, though. I do they're really good, like him. They're a good double act. Um, is that, if we have a look at the categories and then we'll do the judging. Um, yeah, let's do the judging. Okay, which film did you prefer of the two? Uh, 30 minutes or less. Weighing this up all day. Yeah, I do agree. You sure? Which is, yeah, I do, yeah. Okay. I didn't think that would be the case going in. Which do you think is more rewatchable? 30 minutes or less. Which do you think has the best moment slash scene? Uh, I would 
probably go for Hitman's bodyguard. I'd probably take the Hayek. The, the Sam Hayek thing. Yeah, I agree. The other one that was going to go into my head was going to be... Um, I do enjoy the uh, car chase around yeah. the canal with him and the maybe, speedboat. Maybe, maybe the court scene. But like, it does go on for a while, but I do enjoy pretty much all of that, actually. But yeah, we will say the, we'll say the Hitman's bodyguard. Yeah. Best quote. <laughs> um, do you want to start? You can, because I, I still got tiny Glover stuck in my and I'm just trying to think of something else. Yeah, so have I, actually. Just uh, going on to my quotes now, because there are a lot yeah. of them, particularly in 30 minutes or less. Yeah, give me two seconds. Oh, the fact that he goes to... Uh, I remember it being in the trailer. The fact that he goes to the school. Um, yeah, that is... Fuck, I, we've, not even brought, we've not even brought that up yet. No, when he's... Uh, I don't get the money in time, this thing's going to blow. <laughs> and your first thought is to come to a school filled with young children. Guns, masks, you sure you don't want some condoms? <laughs> she says it, uh, this is a rape kit, doesn't she? That's yeah, this is what usually men before they, they rape someone. What about a slider station? The rapist by slider stations? <laughs> What's the one thing this town's missing? I'll give you a hint. It's a cash business and it's probably the sexy bitches. <laughs> and he guesses <laughs> abortion clinic. <laughs> uh, I like that bear. I don't even know you. Uh, there's so much in this for just an hour, hour long film. Uh, oh, those two fighting fucking Chet and. Excuse me. Chango? No. <clears throat> Sorry, Chet and Nick fighting is, is funny. Um, it's just, he just randomly shouts, Grab my guy! <laughs> Danny McBride said, um, I taught myself how to eat pussy and cut my own hair. <laughs> His response is, I taught myself how to eat pussy hair. <laughs> That's fucking such a stupid line, but it kills me every time without fail. It's, it feels like that wasn't even in the script. Because he's no, just so... It's just he, a Danny McBride line. He's so happy when he says it. And he's like, yeah, I taught myself how to eat pussy hair. And he's fucking so... He's, he's genuinely smiling as he says it. Saying, uh, that's what it takes, boy. In the cause, pussies like you wore dresses to keep us entertained. <laughs> that's <laughs> super that's really weird. Fucking <laughs> I do love that, actually. Sometimes fate pulls out its big old cock and slaps you right in the face. Yeah. It's like you bought a Mustang and the Mustang got AIDS. Just makes me laugh. If wanting a lot of money is gay, then yeah, I'm out of the job. This suit is packed with C4. The C stands for chaos. <laughs> I still think Tanny Glove is my favourite, but uh, I've taught myself how to eat pussy and cut my own hair. He's probably the one I laughed at the most while watching the film. Yeah, absolutely. A lot more quotables in this than... Um, him as bodyguard which is more kind of in line with what you're seeing on the screen at the same time him telling him that he finds his sister attractive and having to try and break it down well his brother uh, why he's confused about how how alike they look yeah the, so, so much gold the screen the uh the scene where they're talking about fucking um He's like, oh, he's like, yeah, I actually shagged your sister. And he's like, no, no, I, everything happened. 
just that that's exactly what happened but i just changed the names that's a that's a pretty rough ride unbelievable yeah best best quote for me is going to 30 minutes or less this is one of these films where um the more we talk about it like the more i realize i enjoy it in my head when you kind of can bounce it off Mm. um mvp danny mcbride mate i'm gonna stick with ryan reynolds but i think not bad after you've said danny mcbride but i'm gonna stick with uh Ryan Reynolds in this. Um, best side character? Uh, probably Salma Hayek. I was or... going to say, in, she is actually a side character in this, so I, I do think she counts. Just that she goes into being uh, one or the other. Uh, last per minute? Uh, it's 30 minutes or less. Yeah. Best side character? Who's recycled the, uh, the old comedy one? I'm not, I've not been asked that question in a long time. Well, no, this is a crime comedy, so... Yeah, we just recycled it. Nice. Yeah, I like it. Like yeah. Across action per minute for the action one. Last per minute for the comedy one. Okay, okay, okay. Um, what was the next question? Best soundtrack? Yeah. Probably 30 minutes or less, but neither of them are... I agree. you got uh, MOP, anti-up in this. You do. Uh, originality? 30 minutes or less. Bigger impact is... Definitely Hitman's Bodyguard. Yes, sir. Best opening scene? Uh, Hitman's Bodyguard. That's a great... We've not even spoke about that. That is a very good opening scene. Go on, we can, we can get into it. All right, just with the whole... Quiet, like, quiet is good and stuff. Blah, blah, blah. And then just Ryan Reynolds' face is the fact. Yeah. <laughs> he gets fucking slotted. Um, I, wrote, I wrote down... Um, just one of these things you, you notice when you watch the films is uh, the use of coffee machines in films just to say essentially this person's organised. Mm. Then flicking on a coffee machine in the morning is supposed to make you think like this guy's got his shit together. I've got a kettle by the bedside table. Oh, are you organised? No. Probably depends God. the way you flick it on. Well, you're, you're well aware my life is an actual mess. Um, <laughs> The other thing is polystyrene coffee coffee cups to show that someone is having a rough time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it's coffee out of like an actual machine, it means they're having a bad day. Which film do you think has the best ending? Probably Hitman's Bodyguard. I agree. If they'd gone with the alternate ending for 30 minutes or less, then I'd they probably... might, might swing it. Um, which film do you think has the best chemistry? 30 minutes or less. No, 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 I, I, no, no, I take that back. I agree. Yeah, sorry. I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, this one up. This one's close. Oh, wow. It's a tie. 6-6, six, six, yeah, with 30 minutes or less taking it on a tiebreaker. That 82-minute run time. Which means when you look at some of the other films that we're going to get in this, um, this is probably going to be one of the lower... Um, Seats. Like, grossing figures, yeah. We we could end up with something like Goodfellas, thirty minutes or less in the uh, final bracket, which is just it's just sensational. That'll be nice. But, so next week we've got two far longer films than these. We have Jackie Brown up against American Hustle. I don't think I've ever seen American Hustle. I've not seen Jackie Brown. 
I've seen most of Jackie Brown. So we'll have those to get into. Um, not sure if we'll have anyone else on. You never do know with Sean, do you? Uh, do uh, no, I'm not his, uh, his flavour of the month either. He's not my flavour of the month either. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Um, but yeah, that's what we've got next week. So looking forward to getting into those. Um, and that just about does us. I know it's a shorter episode than usual, but just a bit less to say on these films, a bit less to uh, break down and say what we haven't said before. So thank you for listening to another edition of Movie Badness. We'll be back.